0: Amen, amen, amen. Give God a big hand clap of praise. Good to see you guys today. Good to be with you. Uh, guys, we're starting a brand new series today called Investing in Forever. Turn to somebody and say, Forever. Forever. And so, what I want to do during this series over the next few weeks is I want to challenge you to really think long term. And when I say think long term, I'm not talking about just three to five years out. Although there's nothing wrong with having a three to five year plan. Certainly nothing wrong with that at all. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about a 10 to 20 year plan. Thinking that far. But I'm talking about thinking forever. Thinking about that this is not all there is. That right here, what we're doing right now is just simply preparation for what we're going to live in. And as a matter of fact, this is what the Apostle Paul told us to do. When you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18... He said this, he said, we fix our eyes. I love that word fix there. We fix our eyes. We we gaze, we look upon, laser beam focus. We fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so you have to get what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's saying that we have to look past all this temporary stuff to look to something that is eternal, something that lasts forever. For instance, let me ask you a question. Which one is more permanent, this carpet or God? Well, God, of course. You know, in a few years, we're going to have to rip this carpet up, replace it, and all of that. Which one is more permanent, this speaker stand or God? Well, God is, of course, but but here's oftentimes what happens. It becomes incredibly difficult to look beyond what we can see and touch and taste and hold in our hands. Let me ask you this. Which one is more permanent, our cars, our homes, or our heavenly home? Our heavenly home. Of course, so see, we know all of that, yet it can be incredibly difficult sometimes to fix our eyes past stuff that's only literally going to last 50 or 60 years from now, and it's going to be gone. And so, But that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us to do. And not only did he tell us to look past all of this, but he actually demonstrated and modeled it for us as well. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, he says, the very credentials these people are waving around is something special. He says, I tear them up and throw them out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Why am I doing this? Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. Maybe you know, it doesn't get much graphic than that insignificant dog dung. He said, I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. So you hear what Paul is saying here? Paul's saying, hey, I'm educated. I've got the credentials. I went to the best school in my time. I'm a citizen of Rome. But that stuff has nothing. When you understand that it's all going to be gone away, it's all going to burn up. It's insignificant. It is nothing compared to loving Jesus and being loved by Him. And see, Paul understood that one day we're going to stand before God. Every single one of us, one day, will stand before God. And everything that we've done here is either going to bring reward or regret. Which one is that going to be? Because all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in our hearts. So we're going to be spending eternity somewhere. And so when you understand that everything right here is just temporary, I'm living my life for the eternal. When you really grab hold of that, then how you invest your time, your energy, your finances, resources, all of that changes. Because one day we'll stand before God. And I wonder what it'll be like to stand before God and think to yourself, you know what? Man, I can buy all of this stuff right now for me. I can live a comfortable life right now for me. Or I can help someone in need. I wonder what that's going to be like when you stand before God and you're looking at God. Are you going to stand there with regret and say, Man, I'm regretting the car I drove. I regret the house I lived in. I regret the clothes I bought. I regret. Are you going to stand before God and say, God, I am so thankful I spent 20,000 hours of my life watching soap operas. That's probably going to lead to regret, right? And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you've got to invest your one and only life in something that eternally matters. You know, Francis Chan, who is a great author and speaker, he's written several books, Crazy Love and Forgotten God. He kind of demonstrates all of this like this. So imagine this rope right here just kind of goes on forever and And ever, naturally, it's right there. But, imagine in your mind, this rope goes on forever. Okay? I want to demonstrate something. This is your eternal life right here. This is the part of your life where you're going to live on earth. This is eternity. This is our time here on earth. And so Paul says, if you're not intentional about this... You'll spend your whole life getting caught up in this, and you'll be consumed by this. And so you're like, oh man, I can't wait till I graduate high school, and I can't wait till I graduate college, and, and, and I can't wait till I find the one, and I get the house, and I really can't wait till I get right here, because I'm going to retire, and I'm really going to live my life as much as I can right here. Isn't that what we do? We get so consumed by this portion of our life right here that we forget to realize that we're going to be spending millions and millions of years somewhere. And so we're focusing on this. And the Apostle Paul said, man, I get it. He said, I was focused on this. I was consumed with this. He said, but it's all worthless now. He said, I'm living my life focused on the finish line in my life around Jesus Christ. Focusing on Him. I'm like a runner in my lane. Focused on the finish line. So when I stand before God, I can hear Him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. When I stand before God, guys, I want to stand before God empty. I don't want to stand before God full, full of promises, full of things that He called me to do, full of people that He called me to reach. No, I'm spending my one and only life right here investing in forever. So I'm not going to get consumed with with everything going on here, but I'm focused on the finish line. I'm focused on Jesus. And people will come and say, man, are you crazy? You, you, you're not focused on this. You're, you're not living for the moment. You're not doing what you want to do and having what you want to have. And, and, and man, this is it. Alan, you must be crazy. And I'm looking at them thinking, are you kidding me? You're living your life for this spot right here when you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow or not. And you think I'm crazy? But I check that, bro. I'm living my life for forever. What about you? What about you? So many people today, we're so fixed and caught up on, on this. This little spot. That we lose sight that there's an eternity that we're going to spend somewhere. So what are you investing your life in? What are you investing your forever in? The Apostle Paul modeled this for us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, 12, and 14. He says, I gave up all of that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power, be a partner in His suffering, and go all the way with Him to death itself. And I'm not saying that I have it all together or that I have it made. Paul said, man, I don't have all this together. I don't have all the answers. I, I, I don't have it all figured out. He said, but this one thing I'm doing, I'm reaching out for Christ. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. I'm going after Him. Guys, I guarantee you that none of us in here today would be here had it not been for some people long ago who had the foresight to say, you know what, I'm not living my life for the hearing now. I believe there's going to be a church on this plot of ground. I believe there's going to be a building that's going to be built on this plot of ground. And we're living in what someone else dreamed about. We're here today because there were people that went on before us that dreamed that families were going to be saved and lives were going to be changed and marriages were going to be healed. They believed in that and so we find ourselves living in that right now. And so that's why we have to continue to focus with forever in mind. To focus on that eternity just like Paul did. And so here's the thing. I want to get to that moment where all of us in here today and across all of our locations, we can say, you know what? I'm focusing on the finish line. I'm not just consumed with everything happening right here, but I'm focused on the finish line. I'm living forever. And guys, here's the thing. I I don't believe we have much longer. And I'm not up here saying that Jesus is coming back today or next week. He certainly could. But here's what I'm saying. We have to live our lives like He's coming today. We have to plan like we're going to redeem whatever time that we have left here on this earth. Whether it's a moment, a month, a year, or a century. I want each and every one of us to be able to say, as Jesus said to the Father in John chapter 17 verse 4. He said, I brought you glory on earth by what? What did he do? By completing the work you gave me to do. I want every one of us in this place today to be able to stand before God and say, God, I did it. I've finished the work. I've run my race. I've finished it. And God, I'm standing before you empty because I gave it all for you. I want everyone that calls the Bridge Smithfield home to say, like Luke said about David in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, when, when he said this, David had served God's purpose in his own generation. When he did that, what did he do? He died. And you and I know David. David was a guy that had a lot of imperfections. He wasn't perfect by any means, but here's what David did. When he messed up, he owned up to it. He owned up to it. He never lost sight of the end goal to fulfill God's purpose and call for his life. He never lost sight of that. And none of the great heroes of faith ever approached forever with this kind of philosophical term, if you would. But they made a practical reality in the way that they lived every day. And so what I'm saying is that as we continue to move forward with our lives, as we continue to go forward, let's not focus on this. Let's focus on this. Let's focus with eternity in mind. And you know, as you think about that, there's a lot of ways that I can ask you to do that. Yeah, I can look out here and say, okay guys, here's how we're going to focus on eternity. Uh, I want you to start serving more. I want you to start giving more of your time. I want you to join a bridge group. And, and a lot of you are already doing that. And, and, but here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make the statement, I'm investing in forever with your finances. With your finances. When you look at the scripture, there's only one place in all of the scripture where God says, test me. And it's with our finances. And so I'm asking you to do it with your finances. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to test your faith and make practical this idea that I'm not living for the temporary, but I'm living for forever. And so on October the 6th, October the 6th, we're going to receive what we call an offering fit for a king. You do this once a year. So it's not like we're asking you two or three times. We do this once a year, offering fit for a king. And I'm going to ask you to do one or two things. Number one, if you're not tithing, now what is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your income. We're going to be talking a lot about that in our series uh, that we're in now. But if you're not tithing on, on October the 6th, I want you to prayerfully consider giving a tithe on that day. If you are tithing, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider what you can do above and beyond the tithe. For Misty and I, uh, you know, my wife, uh, a tithe is just something we do. So it's just something that just always comes out. It's deducted. You don't miss it. It's great. It's good. So for us, this is an opportunity that we come together as a family to say, okay, God, hey, what can we do above and beyond that? What can we give sacrificially to you to invest in forever? Lord, how is our life really lining up with our time, our energy, our resources? How are we lining up with this? And it gives us an opportunity to be able to pray and do that. I had Lane in the truck with me this morning. Lane's got him a little job now. Make him a little money. And so I asked him, yeah, amen, holla." Parents need a break. So I asked him this morning, I was like, hey, man, I said, we got an offering coming up. He said, what's that? (laughs) I said, what that is, buddy, is you just drain your bank account and you give it to the church. He's like, are you kidding me? I said, yes, but anyway. So I've got him involved. I'm getting Samantha involved. I'm getting all of our kids. What I'm saying, guys, is we're doing this as a family. We're coming together in my house, and my family, and we're coming together and we're praying, God, what would you have us to give above and beyond the tide? So again, I'm just asking you two things. On October the 6th, you're going to do that. Now, on your way out today, you're going to be given a golden envelope. There's some good stuff in this envelope. You do not want to miss grabbing this envelope right here, I can tell you. There's some good stuff in this envelope. But in this envelope, there's just some instructions in there. There's a letter in there. And so we're just going to ask you, at the end of the service, as you're leaving, one per family. If you get two, that's fine. You just feel two up. But one per family. And on October the 6th, you're going to bring these back in. And we're just going to give God our best. We're going to give God our best in this offering. So, with the time that I have left... I never just want to just say, hey, you need to invest in forever, but I want to tell you how to do that in practical terms. So let me give you two ways real quick today. Two ways on how you can invest in forever. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you have to decide what's eternally important to you. In other words, you got to have a set of values in your life. You have to decide what's eternally important to you. What are your values? And then number two you have to commit to doing the things that reflect those values. So you got to decide what's eternally important to you. What are your values? And then once you figure that out, then you have to commit to doing the things that reflect those values in your life. Because here's the thing, we all have values and we all have lifestyles, and oftentimes they don't match up. And so there leaves this frustration gap in between of what I say is important and how I'm really living my life. So if I was to ask you right now, could you write down on a piece of paper what is most important in your life? Most of you could say, man, that's easy. I can do that right now. Some of you might even say, hey, that's my family. And man, praise God for that. I'm glad for that. But here's what I would ask you. Does your lifestyle support that? If I were to go and ask your family, does your lifestyle support that? Would they say that the way you spend your time, your energy, and your finances would support that? Some of you might say, it's my spiritual family, it's the church. Man, praise God for that. We're excited for that. But does your attendance, does your service record, does your giving reveal that? And guys, I'm not trying to be judgy this morning, but I'm asking, have you settled in your heart what your values are? Because when you set up values, that really means that you've got to set some barriers in place. So whatever my values are means that I've got some barriers that I've got to set up in my life. And so what are some of the values that we've got to have? I'm going to give you three values that you need to have in your life. Number one, you've got to have personal values. You've got to have personal values. And within these personal values, there's going to be boundaries. And the reason why you've got to have personal values is, and again, personal values is not so much sin. Sin is right and wrong. Personal values are above the law of sin. So if you're the type of person that's one way in here and another way out there, then there's probably not a lot of values riding in your heart. you got to be the same all the time. No matter where you are, God says we need to be the same. It's called character and integrity. But you got to have these personal values in your life. You know, Jesus ran up with a guy by the name of Simon one time. Simon had another name called... Peter. There you go, Simon Peter. And so Jesus comes up to him and says, Thou art Simon. Now what does Simon mean? Simon simply means this. It means shaking. Like a reed blown back and forth in the wind. Like water. And so Jesus says, Man, you're Simon <clears throat> you're shaky. You're blown whichever way the wind blows, and you conform to whatever area you're put into. Kind of like water. If you put water in a glass, it forms to it. In a bowl, it forms to it. He said, Man, you are the epitome of tripolar. You're crazy. He said, At one time, one minute, you're leading people to me, you're praying for people, you're telling people about me. The next minute, you're cutting people's ears off, you're jumping out of boats, you're snatching your clothes off. He said, Man, you are just crazy. He said, but I'm going to change it and make your name Peter. (laughs) Peter is rock. You're not going to be shaky. You're not going to be blown by the wind. So, what are your personal values? For Misty and I, excuse me, we have personal values in our family. And so, therefore, we have barriers in our family. And so we may look out across to everybody here and we may look at all of our friends and some of our Christian friends may say, you know what, we're going to set a barrier right here and that's how far our kids can go and they can't go no further. And that's great. But all I know to do is seek God and pray and get in His Word and remember how I was raised and remember that what worked for them back then for me is going to work for them. So you know what? I think we're going to probably put our barrier right here. And we're not going go to go past this. This is how far we go. And I know I'm a little old-fashioned, and I know I'm a little conservative, but this is where our barrier is going to be right here. This is how far we go. And parents, hear me today. If you don't have these personal values, if you don't have these barriers set up in place, then your kids are just going to run everywhere. Your family's going to run everywhere. Because listen, Hollywood has no barriers. Most schools have no barriers. So you as a parent are are going to have to figure out what is the standard of your home. And listen, your kids are not going to like it, and they're going to get mad, and you're too strict, but you know, you just got to look at them and say, you know what, we're building a little standard right here. And this is how far we go, and we don't go any further, and if you keep overstepping this and doing your thing, then I'm sorry, you're probably on your own. And y'all know y'all have said that to your kids. Have you ever had a kid come up and talk about, I'm leaving? Yeah, I'm leaving. I don't like it here. Y'all too strict. You know, Missy and I talk about this often. I said, you know, baby, if our kids ever decide to run away, they ain't going to be gone long. Because we treat our kids really, really good at our house. They have a lot of stuff, and they'll get to missing that stuff real quick. And then, you know, I thought about it. I said, what am I going to do if one day they come up to me and say, I'm leaving? I, I kind of figure I just look at them and say, what are you leaving in? Because all them cars out there, they mine. Check the registration on them. That suitcase you got in your hand, that's mine. All them clothes in that suitcase, they're mine. Them high heels are mine. It's all mine. You can leave with the clothes on your back and the money in your pocket. <laughs> and listen, all our kids love the Lord and they're serving Him. But we're constantly having to set up the barriers. We're constantly having to say, you know what? I don't care. You're not going to hang out with them heathens. It's just not going to happen. And again, they, they're going to get upset, but listen, listen, I tell my kids all the time, because they always come to me and talk about what everybody else is doing. Listen, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. If they over there cussing and fussing and acting crazy, I'm sorry you're not going over there. This is a barrier we've set up. And again, this is just for me and my house, guys. This is me and my house. This is a barrier that we've set up. And you are going to have to make the decision, as for me and my house, this is how far we go. And you say, well, I'm single, what kind of barrier I need up with that? Listen, if you're single, you really need to have some values and you really need to set up some barriers. Because if you wait till you're in the back seat, speaking in tongues, talking about feeling led, yeah, you're feeling led all right. I tell Samantha all the time, I say, girl, when you go out, you carry your barrier with you. From the neck to the knees, that's a no-fly zone, baby. No hands go there. No feet go there. Nothing goes there. If his hand loses altitude or if his hand comes above that knee, you have permission to spray him with mace in Jesus' name. (laughs) So when she leaves the house, we just say, baby, your barrier's going with you. Just whatever. Ace going in. I don't care. This is the barrier. You carry with you. And you have to set up some barriers, guys. Because we all have these values, and we all have these lifestyles, but do they match up? And again, this is just for me in my house. This is the way we do this. And some of you are like, praise God, I don't live with that man. (laughs) We have barriers. We have values. We have these personal values we have. Another personal value that we have is we orient our time, our energy, and yes, our resources in eternity, building the kingdom building God's house. And so that's a personal value for us. So in uh, other words, you've got to have personal values. Here's number two, second thing you've got to have. You've got to have traditional values. Traditional values. And traditional values, again, this is for us. This is, this is for me and my house. You Don't be judgy. This is me. <laughs> traditional values for us is we, we get up and go to God's house. It, it, it's not an option for you to wake up Sunday morning and say, I don't want to go to church. That's not, not an option. You're going to get up and you're going to be in God's house. And that's just the way we do life. Prayer is a traditional value for us. We spend time in prayer with our kids every night before they go to bed. We're in their bedrooms. Say your prayers. Say your prayers. Let's pray together. And now that our two youngest ones are getting older, we're stretching them a little bit. Hey, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. That's pretty good, but let's stretch that a little bit. You've been praying that thing ever since you were born. Let's see if we can add some more to that. And so prayer is a value for us. Uh, Reading God's Word is a value for us. That's a traditional value we have. Coming into God's house, prayer, reading God's Word, giving is a value to us. You know, traditionally the church has has stood for some good values such as marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman. And I know that's not popular now, but, but that is a traditional value that we have. And it's unfortunate because most marriages today, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And hear me today, if, if you've had to walk through a, a divorce and you've had to go through that, man, listen, guys, we love you, we're praying for you, and we want to help you. We want to help you with that season in your life. Nobody's looking at you saying you're disqualified. No, 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 you're not disqualified for anything. God still has a purpose and a plan for you. But I think oftentimes we look at marriage as more of a contract Instead of a covenant. A contract is if you don't do what I tell you to do. And if you don't do what I expect you to do. Then I rip the contract up and it's over. But you understand marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant between two people. Which means I love you in spite of you. You know Misty and I set up this barrier early in our relationship. To where we said you know divorce is not an option. And I tell her all the time, I said, baby, when you get mad with me and you want to leave me, you go head on and I'm packing up and I'm behind you. You're not leaving me by myself. Because I run things around my house. I run the dishwasher and the vacuum cleaner and I run things. So we set up a barrier. We set up a barrier that said, you know what? We only going to go this far. And sometimes I push her to the edge and sometimes she pushes me to the edge. And, and we say stuff we don't mean and we do stuff we don't mean and, and all of that. But you get out here to the barrier because this is, this is how far we go and we don't go any further. So then we just turn around, we make up, we fall in love all over again. And this is marriage. That's what marriage is. But you got to have some barriers in place. And again, this is the barriers that we have and this is, this is the uh, values we have. We have personal values. We have traditional values. And then here's the third thing. You've got to have core values. You've got to have core values. And, and listen to me, guys. The enemy's going to attack them all. He's going to attack your personal values where you make a stand and say, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do this. And all of a sudden, here comes the enemy of your soul. And he comes in. And he's saying, oh, you can do away with that. You can go here. You can go there. And then your personal values are under attack. And then you're going to get an attack on your traditional values. And the enemy is going to come in and say, well, just less of church, less of God, less of prayer, less of the Bible. And so that's under attack. But then the enemy will attack your core values. Again, that's your integrity. That's your character. That's who you are when nobody else is around. And, 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 and that character will begin to get compromised. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to play the hypocrite. And you're just doing this and you're doing that and you're going here and you're going there and you got to have these barriers, guys. Because if you don't have the barriers and if you're not careful, you'll start stepping over these barriers. And once you start stepping over the barrier, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And before you know it, the enemy's all in your home. He's all in your life. He's all in your kids. He's all in everything and he's ripping it to shreds because you didn't have the barriers set up in place and you didn't have the values in place. So you got to have them. And so how do you balance all this out? I'm almost done. How do you balance all of this out? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. You've got to be careful. You've got to guard your heart. Don't just give it to anything or anybody. But guard your heart. Why? For out of it spring the issues of life. And every person in this room, if you just allow anything to go on in your family and in your life, then you understand the enemy is going to tear you apart. And so you have to stand for certain things in your life. you got to have those values. You've got to have the barriers set up. I, I thought about Samuel. Samuel stood for integrity. He knew where he wanted to end up and he lived his life accordingly. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 3, he says this, Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and His anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? For whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make my eyes shut? He said, if I've done any of this, I'll make it right. Stood for Integrity. And it's great for us to stand here and say, I want to stand for integrity at the end of my life. When I get to the end of this right here, I want to be able to say, I stood for integrity. I stood for character. I had the values in place. I had the barriers in place. I want to stand before God and hear Him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. If I want that, then you understand That there's got to be something to shift in my life. For the way I spend my time, my energy, and yes, my resources. All has to be centered on this, not this. I thought about Solomon. Solomon stood for wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, wisdom is the most important thing. So get wisdom, he said. If it costs everything you have, get understanding. And if you want wisdom, if that's what you want to stand for and be known for, listening and learning, that's got to be a value of yours. you got to remember, you got to realize you're going to be a lifetime student if that's what you want. Certainly nothing wrong with that. But then, how you live this right here, time, energy, resources, has to be centered, has to be not focused on this, but on this. Because remember, we're investing in eternity. Because guys, listen, when I get to the end of this and I'm standing before God, there's not going to be any more second chances. You you realize that. This this is it. And so many times we spend our lives so focused on this. Not even knowing if we're going to be here tomorrow or not. And we've got all of this. And we're consumed here. So what are your values? What are the barriers that you've got set up? Let me kind of end with a quote of the day today. Here's a quote of the day. You might want to write this down. Everybody ends up somewhere. Very few end up there on purpose. Everybody ends up somewhere, but very few end up there on purpose. Guys, we're all going to be somewhere. Somewhere. Again, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Ecclesiastes, he's put eternity in our hearts. It's it's settled. We're going to be there. The question is, how are you spending this time right here? 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever. This, this, this This is all we get right here. I'm kind of looking forward to eternity because the Bible says I get a glorified body. Hmm. Which means I can drink all the sun drop, eat all the Twinkies, don't judge me. Right now it's like eat a celery, boom, get an ab, whatever. Where are you focused on, guys? Where's your focus at today? And man, don't get me wrong, and don't, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy this. Man, we have a great time. We enjoy this right here. We carry our kids, and we go ride four-wheelers. We have a good time. We, we do a little swimming. We, we hang out. We, we relax. It, nothing wrong with that. We enjoy these moments right here. But we also have a realization and an understanding, if you will, that these moments are only temporary. So the swimming pool is temporary. And some of you are like, can you believe the pastor's got a swimming pool? Yes, Walmart sells them every day. <laughs> okay. How are you spending your moments right here? Because there's gonna come a day when you're gonna stand before God. And you're going to hear one or two things. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Or, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. We're going to hear one or two things, guys. How we spend these moments right here determines where I spend this. So stand with me all over the house today. What are your values? And let me go further with that. Is your life right now centered around those values? You've got to have the values first. You've got to have personal ones, you've got to have traditional ones, and you've got to have core ones. You've got to have those values. So if you don't have those values, then that's that's really kind of where you need to start. You need to get those values in place. And can I tell you something? Your values are always going to be messed up until you get the first value right, and that's coming to Jesus Christ and giving Him your heart and giving Him your life. That's the starting point. If you want to get these values set up and these barriers set up, your starting point is coming to Jesus. Saying, Father, I realize this is all I have. But I want to be with you in this. That's your starting point. Is to accept Him in your heart. Accept Him into your life. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. For others of you in here, maybe you said, you know what, that's settled for me. But maybe somewhere along the line, maybe... In this spot right here, maybe your values got compromised. You say, Lord, I, I just I don't know. I, I had some personal values, I, I had some traditional values, I had some core values, but unfortunately I, I, I took a left when I should have took a right. And man, if that's you today, can I just tell you you can come back to him. Say, Father, I blew it, I messed up. Help me to get my values right. Help me to focus on forever. So guys, we have that opportunity right now to do that. So won't you bow your heads with me. Father, we love you today. And God, right now, we have what is the most amazing opportunity that is available to us that we could ever have. We have an opportunity to accept you into our hearts and into our lives. You are our creator. You are our God. And so Father, we want to do that now. And so if you're in the house today and you say, man, that's me, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to invest in eternity. And the first way I do that is by accepting Christ as my Savior. If that describes you, would you just be willing to just lift a hand? No one's looking around. God sees the hand. Sees the hand. I want to start with Jesus. I want to start with Jesus. I want to start with Him. Now, let me ask you this. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, man, my values have gotten a little messed up. But I just want to come back and say, Father, forgive me and help me. Help me to set them up. If that describes you, can you just slip up a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Seize the hands. Seize the hands. 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 I need my values straightened out. Now, look at me. This is what I want to do. I want to do this as a family. Remember, you're going to get one of these on your way out. But this doesn't mean anything if you haven't received Him. And some of you said, yes, I want to take that step. I want to receive Him in my heart today. Some of you said, yes, my values are messed up. I want to come back to God. I want to help, ask Him to help me get all this right. So here's what I'm going to ask everybody in the house to do. Don't worry about the buffet line. They have heat lamps. Your food will be hot when you get there, I guarantee you. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to come to the altar. Let's come to the altar right now, wherever you stand, and say, Father, I'm investing in forever. I'm going all in for you. God, I'm raising the standard. God, I need some personal values. Come on, come on up to the front. Let's let everybody give everybody an opportunity to to squeeze in. I'm investing in forever.